This is the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Kendall of the notaballerina.com travel blog. Every episode, I'll share travel tales from several fellow travel lovers, and together we hope to entertain and inspire you, remind you of some of your own great travel experiences, and encourage you to hit the road again soon. Welcome to episode 260 of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. It's one of those episodes that that ends in zero, so it's a special one. And I'm doing something completely different this time. Uh, And it's called Berlin, with travel bringing history to life. So let me explain. In the Thoughtful Travelers Facebook group this week, we talked about historical events being brought to life by our travels. Um, It was, and it turned out to be a really hot topic. I come across some photos of my 1990 trip to Berlin uh, when I was doing a bit of a digital declutter. I found some photos of of no man's land next to the Berlin Wall, uh, me and some friends at the wall, a photo of a market of of Soviet souvenirs where I'd visited with my host family. And uh, yeah, we uh, had quite a chat about how traveling to some of these places can really impact our thinking and our knowledge of historical events and, well, in my case, certainly impact my life in lots of ways. So for this special episode, I wanted to do something a bit different, which I hope will be interesting. It's interesting, been very interesting for me. So hopefully I can convey some of that as well. I guess it's a case study of how traveling and returning to a place can really impact you, can uh, shape your understanding of, of history and the world and yourself and so on. So um, let's go. It's mostly me with a few, uh, well, a few extra bits. So let's start back, well, closer to the start, if we're focusing on the Berlin Wall, which most of this episode will be um, built around the Berlin Wall, no pun intended. So I found some archival news footage from Universal Studios from 1962. So if you know your history well, you'll know that's from one year after the Berlin Wall was built. Freedom Bell in West Berlin tolls in sympathy for East Germans on the first anniversary of the Wall of Shame that holds them prisoners. It was just a year ago that authorities in communist Germany, appalled at the numbers who were fleeing to the West, threw up the wall. East German boss Ulbricht cut worshippers from their churches, separated parents from their children. But at the same time, he unwittingly united Germany as never before. On this anniversary, wreaths are placed where people died, jumping to freedom. And at checkpoints, authorities are on the alert to prevent outbreaks among West Berliners who might seize on the anniversary to vent their wrath on East German guards. U.S. patrols check a segment of the 95-mile-long barrier. brief memorial services led by Mayor Willie Brandt in tribute to the scores who died seeking freedom. The slogan of the day among the West Berliners is marked on the cross, We Accuse. They march along the wall, a display of silent contempt for communist efforts to imprison their friends and relatives. At dusk, tensions erupt in a rock-throwing barrage. The police have their hands full and don't succeed in quieting the Westerners for some time. The anniversary day of the shameful wall. So 
So yeah, the wall was there. And as we know, it stayed there for many years. Although in some respects, I think growing up, I didn't ever expect that to change. And of course we know it did. But before that happened, we actually, in the group chat we had about uh, this uh, historical topic this week, a couple of members had been there before the fall of the wall. So I just wanted to highlight a couple of these interesting stories. Eric mentioned that the only time he was in Berlin was 1983. And he wrote last year, a girl I was with on that trip sent me a photo from Checkpoint Charlie, where, where we passed through from east to west. As we were sitting on the bus, all tense and nervous, one of the other girls on the bus started singing the diarrhea song at top volume. We all wanted to kill her as every adult had instilled in us that one misstep would mean a lifetime in an East German jail. And um, I can I can imagine, I think, that the tension on a trip like that. Jen also mentioned that she had been backpacking and been in East Berlin for the day, six months, just six months before it fell down. So back in for, before it came down, didn't fall down of its own accord, that's for sure, um, in 1989. And I think that would have been a really interesting historic time to be there as well. Now, I have one more piece of archival radio for you. This was from Newsweek on Air in 1989, just a few days after that wall did come down. The Berlin Wall, East Germany's cage door, suddenly swings open after 28 years. Beneath the cacophonous celebrations of freedom lurk some serious questions about the shape and stability of a new Europe. I live in uh, East Germany, and I've been so happy. It's beautiful, it's beautiful. What can I say? It's Berlin. United. We are... The scene was almost unbelievable as East Germans passed through the Brandenburg Gate to West Berlin as citizens of both countries mingled merrily atop the once fearsome Berlin Wall and literally began hammering it down chip by chip. The wall won't disappear tomorrow or next week, but it already seems to have become an anachronism as East Germany's newly reconstituted communist government lifts travel restrictions and contemplates other reforms to stanch an outpouring of frustrated citizens to the democratic and capitalistic West. There are some indications such a policy could work. In recent days, tens of thousands of East Germans enjoyed freely passing through the now porous wall, only to return home when their shopping, sightseeing, and family reunions were done. But the thousands who stayed joined hundreds of thousands of previous refugees, causing mounting concern in the West German government, even as prospects for ultimate German reunification gain momentum. And here's the amazing part for me and where travel and its impact on people and history and everything really kind of combine is that I was then there in Berlin for that moment of reunification. But let me backtrack a little bit. So it was a, a lot of things led to this. By chance, German was the language that I learnt all through school. So it was the language learnt in my primary school, taught in my primary school. And funnily enough, we had a kind of a trial program where it was taught in much lower grades, I think from maybe the third grade or so. Um, and it was just quite brief. Usually it was only taught in upper grades of primary school. And uh, so that was one thing. Uh, I also attended a, like an academic extension centre and we had German there. I always remember my teacher there was Frau Eitelhuber because she taught us to remember her name by thinking it was Eitelhuber something. So Frau Eitelhuber. So that's already two. Third thing was one of my mum's best friends, Anke, uh, was German, is German. 
I saw her recently at my mum's 80th, in fact, and she wanted to teach her daughters German. They were the same age as my sister and I. And, you know, kids don't always want to learn from their mum. So we had this set up on a Friday afternoon. My sister and I would also go there. So she would teach um, all of us, two older girls first, well, maybe second, I don't know, to uh, me and the, uh, the older girl together and then the, the two younger girls together. So already I was this German everywhere. And when I went to high school, uh, German was a language there, very rare these days, and I had a fabulous teacher, Frau Jordan. She was fabulous. And so I kept up with that uh, language. And that's how I ended up being in Berlin in 1990 uh, at the moment of reunification. It was just um, a school trip for four weeks. I know I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but the fact that it was at that moment of reunification we were in Berlin was pure coincidence and crazy luck. Uh, but that really just plunged me into a, well, a very in-depth interest, I suppose, in history and, and current affairs. And actually, at that time, I had decided and was determined I would become a journalist. As you can tell, my career went in all sorts of other ways. But at that moment, that's what I was going to do. So in researching for this episode, I actually went and found the diary that I wrote when I was in um, Berlin on that trip. And I'm going to read some of it to you now. 3rd of October, 1990. Last night, we went to the centre of West East Berlin and we walked around through all the celebrations. I've never seen so many people in my life. We caught a bus there and then an S-Bahn and they were both 100% full. Well, what I thought at the time 100% full was. Just before midnight, we got down to the Brandenburg Gate and then the fireworks began for a full half hour. They were amazing like the 96FM Sky Show, but continually and bigger and better too. Then we tried to get home. After an hour, we reached the S-Bahn station, but five or six trains went by that were so full they wouldn't and couldn't let anyone else on. Eventually, we got onto one, got to our bus station, and discovered it would be quicker to walk home than wait for the bus. So we were home, I think, about 2am. I mean, that's such a 14-year-old's version of that night. I was I was clearly amazed, but I, um, looking back, I'm even more amazed. So, in fact, the host family that I was staying with uh, had, I mean, so much riding on that, so much attached to that reunification. The father was originally, well, was from West Berlin. They were living in West Berlin, of course, so we wouldn't have been able to stay with them, um, you know, in the, for the first half of the week. Uh, but the, the wife... Um, the mother had come from East Berlin. They'd met and he used to somehow visit her over across the wall and eventually was she was able to move um, and live with him in West Berlin. But that was like a super momentous occasion for them and how special that I should be with them and be able to be there at, at the Brandenburg Gate at midnight when Western East Germany ceased to exist and became Germany. Uh, I uh, have a little further extract from later that day. Well, uh, you know, the day, the day after midnight as well. My first glimpse of East Germany was on the train on the way here, and I saw only grey old buildings. Today, of course, East Germany no longer exists, but we travelled into where it used to be the East. For a long time, it was still grey buildings, but after a while, we got out into the country, and there it was green and beautiful and the grey houses didn't seem so bad. On the way back, I saw some of the walls still standing. In fact, two walls running parallel, about 20 metres apart, and a real no-man's land between them. It's so amazing. 
and we can just drive into East Germany, although it's not that anymore. There were actually a couple of members in the Facebook group who had similar experiences or who'd been to Berlin about the same time, and I think for them it was also a special memory. So, for example, Ina said, I was in Berlin in 1989 after the fall of the wall too and bought a little piece of it. I have it still. And Helen said, yes, she still has her piece from 1989 too. And in fact, so do I. I have a, a a bunch of small pieces that I collected from the wall that like they'd been chipped away, you know, at the wall where we where we could go and see it. So um, I didn't even have to buy them. They were uh, they were just there to be taken. Oh, I don't know. Now I'm starting to wonder, you know, is it the thing you should take? Anyway, I took it. I've still got them. Um, Annette also said, I drove to Berlin with my dad in 1990 from the Netherlands and we bought some coins at a market stall together with a piece of the wall. I wish I'd bought a Soviet-style hat. Only when we drove to Berlin did I realise how far into former East Germany Berlin was. Before the wall fell, if you wanted to go to West Berlin from Western Europe, there was just one road going through the eastern part and you had to stay on it. So for me, that experience in Germany as a whole, but especially in Berlin, influenced so much of what happened to me after that. I mean, just for the next few years, as I finished off high school, I was I was a very good student in history and German, and I have no doubt that that trip influenced that, especially as our history curriculum looked a lot at uh, European history and uh, World War One and Two and Germany a lot. And then for my final theatre arts project in Year Twelve, we had to write and perform one-person plays. Actually, they were called one-man plays back then, even though it was an all-girls school. But anyway, one-person plays. And for mine, I actually wrote a play about the Berlin Wall. I was trying to find my script. I couldn't find it. And I, I found uh, only uh, my my journal entries about you know, how it went as I performed. But I would love to find uh, find the script. It must be somewhere in my house. But anyway, so much about that trip influenced my future to the point where finally in 2004, so we had to fast forward a decade or so, um, I moved to live in Germany I uh, got a job teaching English there after I had been in teaching in Bratislava in Slovakia. And so my very next trip to Berlin, you know, many years after after the first one, was in 2004. I drove with my then boyfriend to Berlin for a few days uh, to stay in the flat of our Aussie friends, Ron and Ali. Uh, we'd actually met them here in Perth, all learning German or, you know, revising our German language skills, which was interesting. Um, and then they'd been living in Germany. Uh, but unfortunately, they were back in Australia at the time we went to Berlin, but we were able to stay in their apartment, which was very handy. Thanks, guys. And uh, I'll just read a little bit from my diary from the time as well. So we started off spending the day right in the centre of Berlin, uh, watching uh, watching people go by, seeing the Gedächtniskirche, uh, the KDV, the, the large department store, which uh, featured heavily in my 14-year-old diary. I like to go shopping, apparently. And, uh, and then we got to Brandenburg Gate or Brandenburger Tor. Wow, it was such a significant place to me after I was there for the reunification in 1990. So it was amazing to see it again and to see how much building has gone on around it. We found a seat outside, unfortunately, Starbucks, but I really wanted to just sit and enjoy the view of Brandenburg Gate. After exploring the rest of Berlin, I could say you can still see a big overall difference between East and West. 
especially with the familiar to us from Bratislava Soviet-style apartment blocks, although these have been jazzed up a bit, so they look much better than in Bratislava. So during that trip in 2004, uh, I think it was only maybe three or four days there, we had only like a long weekend off from our teaching jobs, I think. And, but it was still so interesting to see how what had been like current affairs on my previous trip had become, you know, history and museums and stuff. We went to Checkpoint Charlie, which had obviously changed a lot, um, and the East Side Gallery where there was, you know, parts of um, the wall uh, able to be seen, the Topography of Terror exhibit, the the Berliner Mauer Dokumentationszentrum, so a huge uh, museum. I must check if it still exists. Lots of authentic material about the wall and, you know, so many places where you could read the, you know, horrifying stories about people who'd escaped across the wall and um, to go to the West or those who, you know, had attempted and not made it. So it was, yeah, just a really, um, yeah, significant to be back there, you know, much further on. Uh, I returned again just really briefly in 2006. It was an overnight trip with my my then new German husband to get his Australian visa. So we just went to the Australian embassy and had a you know couple of um you know couple of hours of time in Berlin. Even that was I don't know. It's just the city that really thrills me anyway. Um, but then it was another you know good stint, another decade until my most recent trip there. So back in 2005, my son was five years old at the time, and that was his first time to Berlin, and I was so excited to take him there. Uh, we had, uh, I think, four or five days there. I remember that um, we stayed in an Airbnb with very, very curious decor, and <laughs> you might have seen me share at some stage. I've quite often reshare photos of it. Um, but I asked him this morning what he remembered about that time. First of all, I said, do you remember going to Berlin? He said, yes, yes. And I said, what do you remember? Because, you know, he was only five, and he said, I really remember Brandenburger Tor. And that was the key thing that he remembered going there, which is kind of surprising because we also went to the, you know, the East Side Gallery and saw, you know, like he would have, he did love all the um, the graffiti and the paintings and the art on the wall there and, um, you know, all kinds of really cool things. But perhaps, and I don't really remember, but perhaps my kind of um, amazement and enthralled feelings about them, Brandenburg Gate, rubbed off on him where he realized maybe I raved on and on at the time about how important it was to me. I don't know. I actually don't remember. But that was the place he remembered. And the only other thing he could remember about Berlin was eating spaghetti ice. Now, if you haven't been to Germany and discovered the, the thrill of spaghetti ice, so spaghetti ice cream, you really must try sometime. It's they kind of make, um, well, I guess it's vanilla ice cream and they extrude it out using a, a press that makes the ice cream into like the, the shape of spaghetti. And then they use like a, a strawberry syrup to be like the bolognese sauce and white chocolate to be like Parmesan cheese on the top. So it's just absolutely delicious. And I don't blame him for remembering it because it was super cool and super delicious. So Brandenburg Gate and spaghetti ice was what he remembered. And, um, and that's okay with me. I think that's all right. It's, um, just such an, uh, yeah, so amazing to me to have this city that's been so, um, I guess instrumental in a lot of, you know, a lot of parts of how my life has gone and funny to think of its influence on it. And just to sit down and look at the, you know, the various times that I've been there at really, really different stages of my life. It's been, uh, 
it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of fascinating for me. I hope it's been vaguely interesting for you guys as well. So, um, but um, that's kind of the, the story of how history and, um, and current affairs and how the world works can be uh, impact or can impact you when you travel and can impact you even further than that. So if you have had your own experiences of travel bringing history to life or have a significant place to you, like Berlin is significant to me, I would love to hear some more about it. So a few ways. Um, don't forget to join our groups if you're not in one or both of them. So the Facebook group for Thoughtful Travellers, just go to Facebook and search for Thoughtful Travellers or join our LinkedIn group for Thoughtful Travellers. Our best way is to go to notaballerina.com slash LinkedIn and find us. And yeah, just post there and tell us about how um, travel has impacted your life like this or how has it brought history to life. Travel is just, I don't know, there's so many different ways it can be meaningful and I think that's that's just pretty amazing. So um, tell me, what is your Berlin, I guess? Uh, in the show notes, I'll also leave links to the sources of those audio extracts from the news. It's a lot of fun to hunt back and, and listen out for those sort of things. And the show notes for this episode will be at notaballerina.com slash 260. I will also include some of the photos I found from 1990, which kind of sent me down this whole rabbit hole of exploring this topic. Um, other than that, I look forward to chatting with you and hearing more about your own travel experiences. So as always, thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. Show notes and other information are at notaballerina.com slash podcast. Join me again soon for another chat about why we travel. Bye for now. Bye.